politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and minutemen standing at the ready to guard for liberty to the one and only CR podcast. This is Daniel Horowitz back in the house here on Wednesday, February the 3rd. And we got a lot to get to, a special guest today. We're going to talk about the border war. What is going on in our border? Um, we have a lot to talk about in the coming days before our trip to Nevada on Monday about the tyranny. What they're doing that government shouldn't and mustn't do to us. All the lies about corona fascism, how the more the lies get exposed, the more they think of new pretexts to double and triple down, quite literally, on the mask insanity and other fascist ideas. This will never, ever end until we make it end. We're going to be talking about ideas, how we make it end. A lot going on in state legislatures, some good, some milk toast, some bad. How we get organized. We're going to talk about that. Um, we're going to have a website up as soon as we can get it up. I'll tease out the name. Constitutional Action Network. Can. Yes, we can. Yes, we will. Basically organizing people into state strike force teams, liberty strike force teams. You get maybe 10 of you in a state, and then each one of you recruits three to five others. You could have a very powerful group just from this audience alone and your relatives and friends, people you know ticked off. If you're in a state where it's hopelessly blue, you join a team from an area where we, we could work with. And we have a list of 10 issues to push in the legislature, actions that need to be taken, or new things come up. We have a fire that goes that's raging, and we need to put out that fire. We need the firefighters in the water to where the fire is. Contacting, meeting with them, shaming them, going on local media, putting out information. This can be done. Picking the best pieces of legislation in a given state put forth by the few good guys in the legislature and how to make sure we augment their voice. And shame those that don't go along with it. So either they're forced to convert or they get Liz Cheney'd. Right now, we don't even have a mechanism to enforce, to force that inflection point. That's kind of a summation of what I'm looking to do. But today, I want to go to the other side of things. What government should be doing but doesn't do. At the same time, we have the tyranny. We have a border run amok. We have Biden promising to bring in 125,000 refugees and we have crime out of control. Crime is out of control. Crime locally, crime nationally at the border, that's what government should be doing, but doesn't do. So folks, you're on your own. You are on your own while they are pushing tyranny and trampling our rights in terms of defending yourself. That, that government won't do. Which is why I want to introduce you to today's sponsor that I'm very excited about. If you want to support this show, support the Second Amendment, better your skills and actually train yourself and save a ton of money on ammo, which is insanely expensive and scarce, I need you to go to iTarget. iTargetPro.com. What is iTarget? I used to be very skeptical of these laser bullets, the laser shooting. I was like, come on, you know, what, what is that? 
But, you know, as ammo became very expensive and every time you go out to the range, you down 200, 300 rounds. And that could easily be several hundred dollars these days. I, I started to look at it. And I got myself iTarget. And what it does is it gives you basically a cost-effective way to train at the you know, without a range, without expensive ammo. You're going to learn, those of you who come out to front sight with me um, next week or those of you who are going to go on the March or May-June trips, you're going to be taught a lot of muscle memory, okay? And you're going to see that 90% of it you can do dry firing. It's the stance. It's the grip. It's the draw, okay? The one thing you don't get is the recoil, but if you're if you have the muscle memory that well, that you know grounded that well, it won't even matter much. And this is a way I target comes in all major calibers, including two two three for your AR, and certainly you know nine millimeter for your your pistol, whatever you have. You basically slip in a um, laser bullet. Now, obviously, you have to make sure it's clear, and you know I, I advise just leaving any magazine that's loaded in your lockbox, like don't have it out in front of you so you don't have some sort of muscle memory to start loading it. So you only have that laser bullet, obviously pointing in a safe direction, no one in front of it. You're dry firing, except it has a laser. So it attaches to an app and the app goes and records your hits. It little, literally will show you like a screen of like, like almost like broken glass. It looks like broken glass and it's very accurate. Um, it tracks with what I was doing it's worth spending the extra $4 or so for their upgraded app where they have draw shooting. So they have a timer and you could set it and it beeps every you know eight seconds, 10 seconds, five seconds, and boom, boom, boom. And you practice draw and shoot. And it tracks your where the laser hit. I'm telling you, this is, every bullet now costs a fortune. You get that muscle memory, the stance, the five-point draw, um, you could practice that all, have a good time with your wife when the kids are put to sleep, just in your basement. Um, it's amazing. So what I need you to, guys to do is go to itargetpro.com. That's I-T-A-R-G-E-T pro.com. Put in offer code CRs in conservative review, CR, and you get 10% off plus free shipping. So basically, for, for roughly $90, I was able to get something that, never runs out other than you know once in a while you got to change the batteries on the laser um i mean dude 90 dollars you burn through how much ammo i'm not telling you to never go to the range you probably should every once in a while but you could really cut down on it and you could do this every night if you want and hone in your skills beyond belief 90 bucks and you're done you're done you have it for life um and it fits into almost any common handgun or ar or anything you just got to make sure you get the right uh order the right uh caliber of laser bullet for your for your gun so itargetpro.com offer code cr very very excited about this partnership and and frankly i'm excited to use it myself okay folks so you know before i bring on todd benzman we talk about the terrorism problems that while they're treating us like terrorists, while they're locking us down, they're bringing in people, terrorists from the border, terrorists through visas. But then you got the domestic crime. 
You know that carjackings are up 243%. 243% in Chicago. Because these guys that do it, they get released. We talked yesterday about a, a county commissioner in Ottero County, New Mexico, that was arrested by the FBI as being held without possibility of any bail, even a, even a million dollars. And he's only charges trespassing the Capitol. We now have stories out today. Remember we talked about not a single person being held without bail in the rioting? Well, it's worse than that. American Greatness Reports is from, I believe it came from Law Enforcement Today. Thomas Mosley, 29, was one of the violent rioters that was bailed out by the Minnesota Freedom Fund, which was promoted and had donations from Kamala Harris. He was charged with drug and firearms charges. But this is after already having been arrested twice for rioting. Twice. And the bail the first time was 5000 the second time was 60000 Low bail, and it was posted by a fund promoted and donated to by Kamala Harris. Okay? Look at that asymmetry there. Could you imagine if Trump would would have tweeted, you know, picture the impeachment trial, and he would tweet right now, I'm donating to, for the bail of, of these guys. Mind you, some of them aren't getting bail. But he'd donate to the ones that did. That wouldn't even come to the ankles of the, of the insanity of what Kamala Harris did. Because this is trespassing what's really a public building that there's protests in all the time, if you're an illegal alien, I've been there so many times when the so-called dreamers were chanting around. Well, Daniel, you can't you know, vandalize or beat cops. I understand, but almost all these guys are not being charged with that. They didn't do that. And folks, isn't it interesting that you know they're having Officer Sicknick lie in state? And this is the one time I'm finding rhinos and National Review writers. I saw tweet hashtag Blue Lives Matter. They would never do it for anyone else because they felt that was like, ewey, that's like alt-right type of thing. Oh, I can't do that. Now suddenly they find religion. And when the reality is, CNN used the word last night struggling, quote, that struggling to find evidence that he was even killed. We don't even have video evidence. Notice there's no indictment. They're going after people for trespassing when we supposedly had a homicide of a cop. Why don't we have an indictment yet? How did he even die? Another one, you know, reported that he collapsed in the office. Well, if your skull was bashed in, then you weren't, you didn't collapse in the office. Remember, there were other cops and civilians because of the stress or whatever that died of natural causes that exacerbated their heart condition. Who's to say Officer Sicknick wasn't among them? At first, when it came out, it seemed like he was different. He was killed. And we were told he was bashed over the head with a fire extinguisher. But it turns out that's not true. This should bother all of us. I mean, it's terrible he died. And we want to get to the bottom of it. If someone killed him, I want that guy to be hung. But where is he? This is what happened at the Capitol. It's not to say that no one in any capacity did anything wrong. But it is to say, just like it's not that COVID is not a danger in any way to anyone. But the issue is how much and what could you do about it, more importantly. 
None of this stuff works and it's harmful. Same thing here. You're not doing anything about it. And what you're doing is harming innocent people and taking away constitutional rights. Everything you hear about this is a lie like everything you hear about COVID is a lie. Just like we talked about yesterday with CDC peddling conspiracy theories about natural immunity and vaccines. They're continuing to do that about different variant strains as well as double masking. It's unbelievable. We'll talk about more about that tomorrow. But this is where we're at. While, while we, we have never had this in history, we have North Korea and China, except it's a free-for-all for violent criminals, for illegal aliens, and at a time that we're locking down Americans because of COVID, we're sending business owners to jail for opening a business because it spawns too many people. We're inviting a rush of international people from all different countries with all different spreads and all different viruses to our border. And they want to bring in 125,000 refugees when no country is doing that now. COVID's the biggest religion, except, I guess, open borders is an even bigger one. Now with us today to discuss this and more is none other than our longtime friend, Todd Benzman. He is the Senior Fellow for National Security Studies at the Center for Immigration Studies, so he focuses on open borders and immigration policy from a national security standpoint. He's also out with a really important book, America's Covert Border War by Todd Benzman. You're going to want to get this. Um, it's available anywhere where you get books from Amazon to Barnes & Noble. Just Google it if you don't want to um, use Amazon or if you don't want to use Google, DuckDuckGo it. Um, but make sure you get a hold of America's covert border war because I've been focused a lot, obviously, on, as I said, the tyranny side of things. Um, you know, just us being locked down, our constitutional rights being taken away, um, obviously, since January 6th, the war on the First Amendment. But at the same time, we have the anarchy side of the equation, that it's tyranny for us, anarchy for them. And boy, oh boy, they are willing to lock down Americans not to spread a virus. Oh, but when it comes to foreign nationals, now then that concern goes out the window. So Todd is here to give us a little bit of a briefing from his most recent trip to the border on what's going on the border, immigration policy under the Biden administration, and a peek under that hood that I don't think we're going to want to see what's there, but, you know, knowledge is power. We got to know it. Todd, is it as bad as we think it is, or is it worse? The borders right now, the border, the southern border right now is bursting at the seams with thousands and thousands of migrants who have heard the clarion call of the Joe Biden immigration agenda, which is that they'll just be open borders. Everybody can come in. Everybody gets to stay. Everybody gets a welcome wagon. Nobody gets deported. Nobody gets detained. And that is just really music to the ears of a lot of migrants really all over the world. And there is a high expectation that they are all going to be let in. And if they're not let in pretty soon, they're just going to force their way in. Uh, and we're seeing that start to happen. The seams are bursting in certain places like uh, the Del Rio uh, sector of the Texas border, uh, where Title 42 has now been suspended. And hundreds and hundreds of Haitians are pouring through and being given catch and release papers and get boarding buses 
heading into the interior of the country. I expect to see, I'm writing a, my report on that right now, so you're kind of hearing that for the first time of anybody, but uh, I expect to see uh, seam burstings like this in other spots along the border as um, anticipation and expectation lead to frustration, and uh, they want in, and they're going to come in, and they are coming in. So when people saw the caravan being stopped in Guatemala, what you're saying is there's the formal kind of high publicity caravans, but then there's just the individuals that maybe come in smaller groups alone and whatever, and they're already at the border, in the border, and being bussed in. Yeah, there are really two different things going on. One is that you've got uh, a, a galaxy of aspiring migrants, meaning the entire populations of Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador, and then way beyond uh, South America. Those people, that's one group. But remember that under Trump, there was weight in Mexico, and there are 70,000 migrants who were waiting in Mexico. It turns out they were waiting for Democrats to win, but they were still waiting in Mexico because they couldn't get through. And there are probably about another 100,000 that were in Mexico under Mexican asylum. They'd applied for Mexican asylum. So there might be close to 200,000 already in Mexico. Right now, they are heading for northern border cities. They are massing in these cities that are preparing to push forward if they have to or to just be let in finally by the Biden administration, which is – uh, promised to do that, but they haven't come up yet with the procedures, you know, the legal procedures and the and the actual processes to let them in. But because they're still waiting for those procedures to be outlined, there's really high frustration and even anger. I was in <laughs> Juarez just a few days ago. They can't wait. I mean, nobody wants to wait. Uh, and yeah, you know, I interviewed a lot of Cubans and Central Americans. Uh, who are, you know, f- just expected to be let in, and they're not, and they're mad, and they're threatening to come in on their own, <laughs> and they don't think if they do that anybody's going to stop them. And sure enough, that's what's happening in the Del Rio, Texas sector right now. Just hundreds and hundreds of nationalities from all over the world pouring over the river, and we're just giving them, we're catching release again. They're just being released with notices to appear just like during the 2019 crisis, uh, no different. And I expect to see, you know, normally we, we were still like when I was in El Paso, I saw the border patrol returning under title 42 for the COVID pandemic, instant returns under, uh, to control for, for COVID. And the, and the Biden administration said they're going to keep title 42 going. Uh, just to be able to control for COVID. But in this sector, they've uh, eliminated it. There is no Title 42 happening here because they were overrun. They have been overrun. Wow. So so there's a couple of important things to parse out from what you just said. First important point is the fact that it's not just a new ripple in the pond, a new really wave building that's building, but you're saying there was already the existing wave from the 2018-2019 crisis, open borders crisis created by the courts, that was being finally damned 
by the policies that we advocated for for so long and finally, finally the Trump administration implemented them. And now that they're taking it away, but they're just kind of trying to come up with a process, you already have several hundred thousand from the last wave that will come in before we talk about those in the pipeline from Central America and elsewhere, you know, extracontinental. Did I get that right? You got that right because they are com- they're going to come in because the Biden administration has told them and everybody else that they are coming in. As soon as they can arrange it, everybody gets in. Nobody gets denied access. There's 170,000, 200,000 already in Mexico. The caravans beyond that, uh, once uh, the border here has broken down completely, uh, those will start up and you'll start to see population transfers, large population transfers coming over that border. And uh, it really looks like we're headed for another migration illegal migration crisis over the border just by in the encouragement of of the Biden administration saying you know please everybody we we love you we welcome you you're great for us and good for our economy so you're saying that um, so. message is not lost on them like when you go down there and talk to them they're very keenly aware of, that's what they talk of, about. of our politics um, yeah that's what they say we we're, we're we're here we're waiting for you know, Biden said we're getting in. We came here because we we knew Biden was going to let us in, and uh, and sure enough, it's happening, pouring across through the breach in Del Rio. And wow. uh, so, you know, that should spread pretty soon. And then you'll you'll start to um, you'll start to see a breakdown of the policies, uh, Title Forty Two, which is extremely important. That's the policy that has kept our detention centers yep. clear of COVID and of um, you know people uh, from from the South crossing in with COVID. Uh, I guarantee you that all of these hundreds and hundreds of Haitians that have crossed in through Del Rio are not being tested or checked <laughs> or anything about that. They're just putting them on buses, and they're heading to the interior with. So, so in the interior, in the interior of the United States. We are being restricted beyond belief. And then when people come in for internationally, which is kind of the greatest threat of spread you could ever have in a pandemic outside of a country. Um, I think what we've all seen very clearly, um, just to deviate a little bit here and discuss the virus, is that the virus does what the virus does. I mean, you know, human mitigation does not help. But what is clear is that it's very seasonal and it's very geographical. Each area has its own epidemiological curve, and there's really not much you can do to change that. But if we import people from all over the world that could be at various different stages, like as we know, um, the southern latitudes tend to get what we get in a winter spread. It's called the Hope Simpson Curve. They get it a few months later, and we and you and I talked about this last season, last year, when you know we imported Mexico's epidemiological curve, um, which is why the border had a double dose. We had our own inherent curve, and we did a lot on that. We're going to have that on steroids because then the illegal immigration was kind of small and subtle. It was more the people coming legally or even Americans kind of crossing back and forth. And that was just an issue that we shut down Americans with curfews, but we didn't, you know, just stop the cross-border travel. Now we're down where I can have illegal immigration 
and you're saying these people are just put on buses. Um, what would happen if one wouldn't wear a mask? I'm just curious. Well, uh, you know, you know, probably nothing. I mean, you know, there's <laughs> look, they can't. Um, the reason why this is happening in Texas right now is because they overwhelmed, physically overwhelmed our border patrol. There aren't enough officers with guns to stop it. So, uh, you know, it's just like it was in 2019 uh, on a microcosm uh, in the, on the, on this one, in this one sector of the Texas border. But it's also the very first time since the pandemic hit that title 42 is not being enforced. Like when I was in El Paso, I watched it being enforced. They're still enforcing it in El Paso. El Paso has a lot of walling, and so it's very difficult to cross very easily. Uh, very, you know, it's it's difficult to cross there. There's lots of walls and moats, and you know, uh, border patrol and drones and everything in, in that particular sector. But in the Del Rio sector and in a lot of sectors, there's no wall, and uh, it's very easy to just splash across the the river in large numbers and that's what's happening they're catching them in groups of uh 40 50 and 100 at a time and and sometimes even more and you know you got one border patrol agent out there and he maybe he might get two or three of them you know uh so they've got um ngos over there helping them make phone calls to relatives here and you know, get wired money and bus tickets and they're putting them on buses and shipping them off to Florida and other places right now. And it's just going to keep on and then, going. Like and then, that. and then basically Todd, um, let, let's play along with this train of thought. Let's take this to the next level. You know, obviously hypocrisy and a two tier justice system and double standards is the religion of the left. So one of the things they're going to do is, so they don't have a problem with COVID bringing them in, right? So, you know, violating Title 42, which is designed to say, look, you know, at least during a pandemic, you know, you, we catch you, we turn you around, we're not going through this, you know, s- you know, pseudo court process. You just, we're a sovereign nation and, you know, you're, you're done. No, we're letting them in. So we're not concerned about COVID. But here's where we're going to f- suddenly become concerned about COVID. The next level, which is um, detention and notice to appear in court. So watch for them likely to say, well, you know, you hold them in detention, it's going to spread COVID. So now the answer is, so then just deport them. But no, it's going to be disperse them in the country. And then I know this from domestic court proceedings that, you know, COVID is such a big thing that you can't go to court anymore, anymore. Like we've abolished that. So you have these stupid Zoom things. You really mean to tell me these Haitian dudes are going to have access to a computer and they're going to have NTAs through through Zoom? No idea because, um, you know, the policy is not to give out notices to appear and let people go into the country. This is an ad hoc forced policy in this sector due to being overrun. I don't think the Biden administration wants to do this. Uh, that the to release uh, the, I don't think that any of this is voluntary. It's entirely driven by the migrants, and there are thousands and thousands more just on the other side of Mexico, from one end of the country to the other, that are pouring in, getting ready to do the same to to push their way in. Policies 
that you decide to implement, that is something that's like a, a, a reality on some other planet. The migrants drive policy by pushing over. Uh, there was a there was a uh, about three or four weeks ago in El Paso, uh, the Cubans about 400 Cubans massed up on the bridge one of the bridges into El Paso on the Juarez side and they overran the Mexican immigration uh, border guard there on the bridge and rushed over to the U- U.S. side demanding to be let in but the Trump was still in office so they rolled up. Uh, concrete barricades topped with barbed wire, which I saw was still prepared there and put a bunch of riot guys in riot uh, equipment there and it wouldn't let them pass for seven hours. They stayed on that bridge until morning. And uh, for a lot of that seven hours, they were chanting Biden, Biden, Biden. Well, I guess now we know where like, you know, he never had a rally with more than 10 people at it. So I guess, you know, this is where he's got a, He's got to find his support. Um, this is, uh, wow, th- th- this is very telling because, again, a lot of people, even on our side, don't realize this. Uh, they think it's a looming problem. They don't realize that we are already in some sectors back to the 2018-2019 problem, and it's only going to get worse. What else did you see in your trip to the border, you know, different areas, um what other observations did you have? Well, in the sector that I went to, El Paso sector, it was still pretty much under control. They were doing Title 42 returns. They were blocking uh, migrants, were coming up to our inspectors on the bridge, asking to be let in, holding children and all their belongings, and they were being told no. Uh, that's just because it was to uh, give the administration some time to figure out how they're going to do it. But the Cubans on that side were telling me, we're busting through. If they don't let us through, we're going to take matters into our own hands. And um, so there, there, was, there was that element of anger and frustration. Uh, the other thing that um, was interesting is that, uh, uh, to me, was that the uh, wall construction ended on Wednesday, one week ago. And I was there at a construction site. Uh, the last point in New Mexico, which a uh, border wall, that's as far as the border wall got. And uh, I visited there and, uh, you know, just kind of scoped out the um, staging area and the equipment and talked to some border patrol out there. The that I went to was a uh, about 75 miles west of El Paso. In, near Deming, New Mexico, actually, and uh, west of Columbus, uh, and and the spot where they were forced to stop construction was about a mile from the other end that was that was being built toward it, uh, about a mile away, and that end got shut down too. So it left this one mile gap wide open as a smuggling corridor. Uh, and that's the type of thing that uh, we are seeing freeze-framed uh, by the by the secession of construction there, where you have these open uh, areas that uh, that that essentially render all of the wall that we put up fairly ineffective. I mean, you know, they can just go around it now, uh, and there's a pretty big area to go around. Now they do get funneled through there uh, to these areas, and that's a good thing. 
And I talked to some Border Patrol agents in the area who told me that, you know, they, they obviously are going to patrol that area in, in far greater numbers and with more time than normally. Uh, so they'll, they'll, but it's still a big area. It's a mile wide and there's not that many border patrol out there. So it's still going to be a big smuggling corridor. Um, the other thing that struck me, and I don't have answers for this, Daniel, yet, because it's still so early. Uh, but, you know, I saw the construction staging areas uh, where they had the panels that were supposed to go up and they have bought and paid for these panels uh, that, that will not now not go up, uh, won't be installed. And there were acres and acres of panels stacked 10 feet high or more uh, that it just, I mean, thousands and thousands of panels, like just tons and tons of metal just sitting out there. And nobody has really asked or answered what is going to become of this massive amount of material sitting in the desert, uh, whether they're going to let it just rust there as monuments to the you know the wall or Biden shutting the wall down or I don't know what but it would just cost it would cost millions and millions hundreds of millions to move that stuff out and then what are you going to do with it you know who what are you going to do with it Todd I mean today's theme is uh the surreal dichotomy between the power play by government against its citizens versus the hands off display with illegal aliens. So I think if they're not going to be used against the illegal aliens, I could think of a lot of ideas they might want to use them for. They're obviously building um, a fence around the Capitol and, you know, maybe uh, that will be a location that will probably be one of the milder uses of it. But yeah, I mean, definitely keep us updated on that. And folks, you want to see um, Todd's uh, articles at center for immigration studies. You could just Google his name and You'll watch for his new reports out on what's going on. Um, before we move on to the final segment, I, the national security side, I mean, this really is national security, but the the terrorism side of things, I do want to ask you, in your conversations with, with Border Patrol or ICE, I've really been, I haven't had time these days to get their pulse, and they're going to be very reluctant to talk about politics. But I'm trying to picture myself being a ICE or Border Patrol agent at this juncture, what you're up against from just the natural, no, it's not really natural, but the flow of illegal immigration and the attitude of the administration that they're not, they're not going to work for. Have any of them talked to you or are you hearing rumors of retirement and things like that? I t it's funny that you asked that because uh, yesterday I just wrote a piece that was based on my conversations with a lot of border patrol agents in the field and uh the the, the piece ha i don't think it's published yet i think it's, it should go up today or in any moment really uh so you can find that at cis.org but i mean i'll give you the gist of it which is that uh border patrol agents the rank and file guys and women out there on the line absolutely loved that border wall because it actually worked and they several of them pointed out that hey you know we're i don't know who these experts are that are always saying that the wall doesn't work uh you know but we're, 
we're the experts. I mean, I'm out here eight hours a day, 40 a week with the wall. And so I, I asked them, you know, how does it work for you? Like explain how it works. And they did. And I have quite a bit of their testimony in this piece, just, you know, excerpted in chunks and you can just kind of hear it in their own words or read it in, in their own words that that border wall, you know, was the difference between uh, manage, managing, successfully managing their sector uh, without um, feeling like everybody's getting past them and it, that it's pointless and everybody's getting past them and it's pointless. And so um, they were really, uh, everybody I talked to out there was really uh, had, you know, suffering from low morale over what's coming. They see the wall is not going to get built. There are these you know, gaps everywhere that were going to get filled up in their sectors uh, that were coming to their sectors, hadn't gotten there yet. And there was a lot of anticipation of another four-year Trump term where, where it would all get sewed up. Now what they're, what they're all getting ready for is just uh, sw- being swarmed again, like in 20, uh, 2019, 2018. And uh, a lot of them are just, uh, you know, really depressed. I mean, I, they were you know, a couple of them were very frank with me about that. You know, morale is just terrible, and nobody knows what it's like for them to have to do their jobs. They're supposed to be stopping people and returning them and blocking the way forward under the law, and you have their bosses all the way up in D.C tying both of their hands behind their backs and setting the stage for mass migration. Uh, And they all know it. They all know it's coming. Everybody knows it's coming. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, when they can breach through like they are in Del Rio right now on a broader uh, front. That is, man, that is very sobering because I'm getting texts from, a couple of border agents and they're like, darn it, I'm a couple of years away from retirement. Maybe if I could financially make it work, I'll try to find something else. But it's it's tough. It, it is really tough. Um, you know, like, I mean, you could have a federal job and there's two ways of doing it. But here there are no two ways of doing it. Um, you can't be tasked with border security and have an administration arson the border and not believe in it. And believe in letting them in, then you know what's what's the point of your job? It's it's very sad, and mixed with obviously the disease problem and the fiscal problem, the cultural problem. You have national security concerns and terrorism problems. You've you've been a terrific reporter on all aspects of the border, but I think where you've really owned the space where others haven't ventured ever since your days 15 or so years ago at, you know, Hearst Papers and Dallas Morning News is writing about the threat of particularly Islamic terrorism through our border, through our visa system. Um I never remember an administration that started out this this open borders like it's like a religion it's not like yeah we're not so into it we don't really like it it's like this is the new gay marriage like this is like you know th- this is it's it's the it's it's a mixture of like gay marriage and mass i mean it, it, it this is like political porn for them and especially with the perception of trump so it's like a rubber band effect that they have to specifically go in the 
opposite direction and obsessively let everyone in from the most terrorist-prone areas and whatever. So if take as much time as you need. Your book, America's Covert Border War, obviously talks a lot about the physical border. So if you talk about where, where you see the physical border threat and then where you see the visa threat as well. Sure, I appreciate you asking. The, the America's Covert Border War is primarily about the homeland security establishments programs to that were directed that were deployed and directed at the issue of of infiltration by terrorist migrants crossing the border uh, this is a taboo topic every time it's brought up uh, people on both sides start uh, taking shots at each other and you know the left will typically deny that it, that it's happening it's a big a big fear-mongering lie, you know, like when Trump said it a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, on the right, on the conservative side, it sometimes gets exaggerated. You know, we've got all these ISIS guys crossing over and, you know, that didn't happen. But uh, the, 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 the story, the actual story is that the United States posted programs, counterterrorism programs at the physical land border and throughout Latin America to hunt down jihadists, to find people from jihadist countries who are migrating in and figure out who they are, interdict and neutralize them. And so uh, this, think of this, uh, this uh, like, um, you know, harsh interrogation counterterrorism program that was, you know, won people Pulitzer Prizes when they revealed it or the rendition program, or the Hellfire Missiles on Drones uh, program from the 9-11 era. We're in the 20th anniversary year right now. This is the last unrevealed one of those, and it's still in place. And the reason it's so taboo is because it, it, if it were to be widely acknowledged as, tr as the truth, as an actual threat, if everybody agreed on both sides that it was a th an actual threat, you would have to do something about it having to do with restricting Spanish-speaking migrants who provide the camouflage for this. And nobody wants to do that. I mean, there's a lot of right and – that's a religion. I mean, you know, you've, you have to – Because that's a religion. That, 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 yeah, that, that you can't stop – so, and, and again, as you're talking, I want you to go on. I don't want to interrupt you, but I want our listeners, because we have a lot of new listeners. It's been a while since we've had you on. Just so you guys know, you know, Todd, when, you know, back in, in the day, 20, 15 years ago, he was a reporter in Texas that covered the border. Then he spent 10 years in intel and counterterrorism at the Texas Department of Public Safety. So he's very keenly aware of what was going on and what threats were included in the broad border issue. And then now that he's been out of it for a few years and has gone back to reporting and also some think tank work, he's followed up on what he knew to be existing. So when we have people saying, nah, there's no issue of uh, threat of you know terrorism coming through the border, it's, it's such a joke because there are actually downright programs of the government designed to deal with it. And Todd, doesn't that really begin at the choke point of Latin America, of Central America, which is Panama? Well, that's right. So the way uh, this this deals with a, a small 
but very steady flow of migrants that are coming in from 35, 40 different uh, identified countries where terrorist organizations operate. Uh, this isn't Todd Benzman saying this. This is this is the uh, Homeland Security Department of Homeland Security. Uh, they established this. They dis- established the terms and definitions. They identified the countries. And those countries, uh, people from those countries migrate to the U.S. southern border by flying into South America first, often. Sometimes they fly directly into Mexico or Central America, and then they work their way north. And so what, what's actually happening is that there is a, a flow, uh, there are routes that go through Panama, through the jungles there. I've been to Panama. I've spent time on the ground with these migrants. Uh, people argue about, oh, prayer rugs. There's no such thing. That's a lie that they found prayer rugs. Prayer rugs are irrelevant because there are real migrants, breathing, living migrants that I don't know why people are still talking about prayer rugs. In in other words, you you have interviewed Iranians and people like that coming up and everyone's like, I found a prayer rug. Um, That means there must be. Middle Easterners, right. dude, the Middle Easterners are coming. Now, yeah, they're not like a million of them. They're not in exaggerated numbers, but they definitely are there and they do come. Yeah, that's right. And um, my issue – and and then and that's what happens. And there are these human smuggling uh, organizations that are highly specialized and very interesting, very colorful characters. And we have ICE, Homeland Security Investigations, deployed all over Latin America hunting these guys down and taking them out. Uh, very fascinating, uh, intrigue-laden intelligence story, counterterrorism story that has never really been told like this before. I've got there, it's it just isn't it just is unrevealed, uh, and it's still going on. So you can't really um, argue that there's that there's no that there's no migration like that, and that there's because they're busting these guys all the time and putting them in American prisons. Uh, that are moving these these uh, you know from Pakistan and Afghanistan and everywhere else. So so let me let me just play devil's advocate with you for a minute. Um, if I'm Iran, I'm the Quds Force, and I have a story to tell about the Quds Force if we have time. A rumor that I'm hearing that I think is credible enough to at least posit it. But before that, if I'm not a Quds Force dude or you know a Sunni type of terrorist. I don't why would I go through the border if Biden's promising to I mean even under Trump we didn't lock it down not by a mile um to open up like obsess about Muslim immigration from those countries and particularly those countries and bring in God knows how many refugees because they want to make up for what they consider lost ground for their uh, parasitic refugee resettlement organizations. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're leaving the front door open, so would they even go through the back door? Well, so that's that's the um, that's kind of the, the uh, scale that you have to look at. I argue in the book that in the 20 years since 9-11, we have really sewed up – I'm not saying it's perfect – uh, by any stretch, because we still have vetting failures uh, to what you know far too often. But um, it's certainly not like it was prior to 9/11 when all 19 of those guys uh, came in on different kinds of visas and then either overstayed them or committed fraud and you know nobody was looking and nobody cared and 
you could just fly in. After 9-11, those those avenues were substantially uh, sewn up. Uh, there, you know, there were databases that were put in place and uh, protocols, and your chances now of trying to fly in if you're if you're a known terrorist, Kuds Force guy, uh, the chances of you getting caught at an airport uh, or through visa uh, vetting uh, are much higher now than they ever were before. And we've gotten America has gotten pretty good at counterterrorism. I mean, the Israelis got good at it. Took them a long time. Uh, the Americans. Well, I'm not saying that that can't happen or doesn't happen, but where nobody expects travel anymore, uh, like as as uh, as a nation, uh, and where it's really easy. Uh, much easier is uh, through the border. So like, uh, let me just think of it, and especially during times of mass migration, uh, when there is a uh, an event like we had in 2019 where all the systems break down and there's no vetting at all and everybody's getting through, uh, you are just going to kind of slide right in. There's a good chance you're just going to slide right in. And the Europeans provide the best example of what I'm talking about in 2015, uh, mass migration, uh, swell building up on the external borders of the European Union. Angela Merkel said, let them all in, uh, you know, had a very similar ideology about immigration as Joe Biden does and all of his people. Very, it's the same, it's the same religion, I guess, as you say, uh, that I'm hearing here today, as I heard five years ago from Merkel and and the other uh, European leaders, when they said, yes, let's let them all in. And when they did, they let in a lot of ISIS terrorists who just flowed right in. All the systems were overwhelmed. There was no vetting. Uh, there was a, they were to claim asylum and get the, the equivalent of an NTA, a notice to appear, and then they would go murder and slaughter Europeans from one end of the continent to the other, and uh, in a in a uh, a spree of murder that has continued to the to this day, five years later, they're still killing and murdering uh, Europeans after crossing over the borders, getting asylum. And so, um, what we're what my concern is now is that you know as we see this building. Uh, surge, and I really hope I'm wrong about that. I'm not the one who's predicting that we're going to see a big crisis at our border this year sometime. Uh, that, that that that'll happen again. Uh, that we'll have um, an inability to really check anybody. It'll get really easy for them to get through. And keep in mind that terrorists replicate successful tactics. That's what they do. When something worked, they do it again somewhere else. I don't think anybody's expecting it here. They deny that it that that they even travel. <laughs> you know, it's just widely denied. So, and, and, and I think I, I think the other discussion, and I and I want to get your comment on this before just sewing up. We're almost out of time, but I I, I want to get your comment on this rumor. I can't remember if I said it to you, but if not, you'll hear it the first time. So. The Iranians and any other terrorist uh, uh, nation state or group, they don't have to reinvent the wheel here. 
It's not like, man, we're going to set up shop there. They have shop. They have set up shop for decades. They have very strong diplomatic ties with all of the leftist leaders, and they've certainly had it in you know places like Venezuela and Bolivia, um, and 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 really you know the Central American uh, countries, certainly Nicaragua, but the other ones as well. Um, they've set up shop there. The Chinese, the Russians, the Turks have set set up shop in a lot of these countries. But the Iranians have strong, strong cross-cultural ties. Their clerics are there in the communities. They even have media, and certainly at a governmental level, that with the, with the embassies and AMLO, which is the closest to us, AMLO is the president of Mexico. You know, he has gotten very close with Iran, and they have you know diplomatic ties. So I heard the following rumor. Take it for what it is, but the source that I heard it from has always been very credible for me. And he said that a couple of months ago, um, the Quds Force was on a mission. And what was that mission? So you were just talking about how, and this is very important, I I really want to connect this because you reminded me of this, that between Deming and Columbus, New Mexico, very rugged area on both sides of the border, very desert mountains, as you well know, yeah, you're just there. There's no there's not a lot of civilization on either side and really no civilization on that side of Mexico, the Sonora province. But what you do have right there in the mountains and desert in that border area, there's no civilization. You have a lot of natural resources. And the Quds Force was looking for uranium and other natural resources that they they feel they need, and they certainly do, given the sanctions and the problems they have. This would be a great opportunity. And everything they do is greenlit by the embassy. Now, the problem is, for them, as you well know, Mexico is extremely decentralized. Um, the government doesn't have control, and especially in the northern area near our border— Um, is where the cartels have control. And La Linea cartel, which operates in that part of Sonora, basically jumped them. Um, They they just, you know, they found people operating there. They had no idea they were Iranians. And like they always do, they killed them. And then, so the Iranians didn't want to make a big deal out of it. But the Quds Force is very religious. So they wanted the bodies back, at least. That's all they asked. But it turned out they burnt the bodies, you know, as the cartels do. So whatever, they kind of dropped it. But again, like, you know, if nothing else, we have the threat of the cartels right there in that lawless area. But take it for what it is. I mean, I just want to get your comment on it. I know it's unsubstantiated and you're hearing it for the first time, but I'm curious about what you think about that. Well, you know, I, I, I'm not that familiar with with um, that that report stream at all. But uh, I mean, my first my yeah, first blush, I'm thinking, you know, what are they going to do? Open up uh, mining operations or something? I I I'm not sure. I'm seeing uh, like what they what they expect to do like on the ground there. I mean, you know, maybe they could set up front companies and let somebody else mine. Or I, I don't know. But uh, it just doesn't seem, you know, I don't know how they'd get their uranium all the way back under sanctions and everything else. So, I mean, it just doesn't sound to me, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't strike me as, I mean, I think, you know, Kuds, uh, those guys are in South America and Hezbollah. Uh, they're they're um, different than the kind of attackers that we saw in, in Europe, in that Hezbollah and Iran uh, are not non-state actors. They're state actors, and <clears throat> they behave with great deliberation in their attacks. 
uh, and then they're especially in their decisions not to attack or to be preparing for attacks, then Sunni groups like Al Qaeda or ISIS or just lone offenders who are, uh, you know, down with the ideology, um, those are to me a little bit more dangerous because they're they can pop off at any time. Like in Europe, you have these situations all the time where. You know, like a a month or two ago, there was a Sudanese migrant uh, who was you know waiting for his asylum claim, and you know he went on a stabbing spree and killed eight people. Uh, you know, another one, you know, did a vehicle ramming and you know killed a couple people, and you know that sort of thing. Uh, and then there was the Paris attacks, of course, which killed one thirty, and they are coordinated suicide bombings by ISIS. Almost every one of them came in with migrants over the border. Same same cell did the Brussels attack. Uh, I don't see the Iranians really, uh, you know, until until they're good and ready and for a really good reason. Uh, that's that's decided by the mullahs, uh, you know, just randomly attacking uh, American interests. Sure, sure. I mean, it would yeah, it would take a a lot for them to go across the border, but the fact that they're generally setting up shop. I mean, this has been open. And there's no reason they wouldn't come to Mexico, given that the leader is friendly with them. So that that's just it, again, it's just scary when you look at the fact that how rugged and open that area is. Um, but anyway, folks, yeah, yeah, and remember, remember also that um, you know the the Iranians are still gaming for uh, retaliation for the assassination of Soleimani, General Soleimani of the Al Quds force. And it was it's during that period of time that we saw ICE start busting with the Brazilians start busting Iranian smugglers of Iranians and arresting, uh, you know, breaking up Iranian uh, human smuggling networks in South America that were moving Iranians to the southern border. That that is what really again, I mean, that that that's what I, I worry about, among many other things. And. When you have an open border, you basically truncate the difference between the distance between everything bad in the world and yourself um, because you bring it there. And um, especially when you have just so many lawless and bad actors to the south of us um, and so many opportunities, again, the, at, at a statecraft level, they're already there. Um, what they want to do with it and, and when they want to press a trigger on on what on the on the what yeah that's always going to be an open question you're right certainly a nation state's going to be more reluctant than the spin-off sunni groups but this is all a problem um this is very riveting if you're interested in more again get todd's book america's covert border war we are way out of time todd thanks so much for joining us till tomorrow god bless y'all and thank you for listening take care